Welcome to the Rebel Influencer Podcast with me, your host, Leona Burton. In a world where conformity often reigns supreme, I am here to spotlight the rebels, the people who are changing the game. This podcast is brought to you by Peaks Private Members Club, the very place to be for successful entrepreneurs scaling past six figures, those people who are looking for long-lasting connections. At Peaks, founded by Nicola Peak, they specialize in breakthrough business and social events that go beyond the ordinary. It's a place where successful entrepreneurs come together to experience transformative mastermind sessions, receive unique mentoring, and build long-lasting relationships with peers on the same growth journey. Stay with us to the very end for an exclusive Peaks offer. Rosie Victoria, when I was looking for uh, speakers for this podcast, which is the Rebel Influence podcast, I was looking for people, I always look for people that are a little bit contentious, a little bit rebellious, and a little bit of, of people that are making are making waves in the world in which they are in. Um, and that and that very much varies from from industry to industry, but you were definitely somebody who was on my radar. You are all of those things. And I love that about you. And I cannot wait to dig into this conversation because I think these conversations are super important. So before we get started, can you please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes. And thank you so much for having me here. I honestly cannot wait to just show up in this space and I feel like I've spoken to a couple of the women in this space. And the one thing that they always say to me is the initial things that I thought about you are not who you are in any way, shape or form. <laughs> um, but leading into me, my name is Ruta Victoria. I am the Misfit Business Lounge owner and creator. And what I desire to do is create a sacred space for women who have always felt like they don't belong. So for me, I was a morpher in life and especially being a psychic medium, which is how I actually stepped into my journey of business. I always felt like I was very good at reading people's energy and morphing mm -hmm. into kind of who they were. And what I recognize is on my journey of business, I always felt like I was doing the same thing. So I could work with women in certain categories and invest in them. But I was like, this doesn't feel like home to me. I felt very clicky and uncomfortable and all of these things. And I realized that my wealth had never felt sustainable because I hadn't allow it, allowed it to feel normalized to who I was. And what I really desired to do with the misfits is create normalized wealth so that women could feel safe in being all that they were in really choosing who they were, their strengths, their personality, their depth, their communication, and bring that to the forefront, but feel safe in a community. So for me, the misfits is the energy, the strategy, the identity of scaling our business, whilst also creating a space that highlights who you are on the deepest level. You know, for me, I'm a psychic medium. And in the arena of business, that's like, how are you going to mentor my business? However, in 2023, we started to work alongside corporations, charities, really leaning into industries that I'd never considered that I would have been taken seriously. However, that happened as a result of me choosing myself and understanding that it's not psychic here and business here. I'm allowed to be the energy worker that takes my business seriously. I'm allowed to claim my business and really show up with full expression whilst also bringing in these strategies and these energies without them conflicting one another. So what I've done is I've created this community that really honors women in the emotional and the physical well-being of who they are. 
I mean, I don't know about you guys just listening, but I am so interested to know more. Now, <clears throat> when I first stumbled upon you, I have to say, I think it's because you'd probably piss somebody off and said something. <laughs> it's all right. I piss people off too. It's fine. Um, but I think it's because you'd piss somebody off about, you said something about money. And I was like, okay. And now, full disclosure, I have not got a problem with money. I have a family who make a lot of money. I'm good with money. But what I am very aware of is other people shoving income in other people's faces unnecessarily now I actually don't have a problem with people talking about money at all but what I do have a problem with or I have struggled with over the years is people feeling belittled by other people when it comes to money and I think there is a very fine line I do I think there's you know there's absolutely showing people what they're capable of and also what you're capable of as as a person um but also not making other people feel like shit because they don't have what you have mm-hmm. yeah and that's absolutely. that's hard that's hard because actually the reality is you can trigger people because you you can afford your food shop and then asta I mean you can so it's it's not always about you it's often about them and I think that's a very very fine line so let's dig into that because money is a a real contentious issue for a lot of people especially women absolutely and I think especially women because we're to me money is a barrier right it's a it's a journey of expression it's a journey of truth it's a journey of how we choose to see ourselves now I grew up in a very average kind of working class household my mom and dad separated when I was five and my dad lived away. So money was always this very, very taboo subject that came with arguments and conflict and who's going to pay this and who's going to pay that. And I grew up at a very young age having this belief of it's easier to not ask anybody for anything and to just figure it out for myself. And money always held my sense of self-worth. And if you work with me in my containers, you will know that one of the biggest things that I communicate is self-worth is net worth. Because women who can't see themselves through a certain lens, they stop themselves from receiving. They keep themselves in these cycles of just enoughness because they can't see themselves through the lens of money. And to me, money isn't about, you know, the Louis Vuitton bag or, you know, the materialism. It really is about how are you choosing to see yourself and what gets to be available to you. And I've been through a journey at the age of 16. You know, I set up my own business because I felt that stress of I need to survive now. I'm an adult. I'm a fully functioning adult at 16 and I need to survive. And by the time I was 18, I'd moved to the French Alps and I was running a massage salon there. And then when I came back at 19, I literally plummeted because I had no sense of self-worth. And my life as a teenager was drugs, was partying, was debt, was finding money so that I could pay for drugs. And every time I looked in the mirror, I didn't feel enough. So it didn't matter where I went career-wise, I didn't feel like I belonged. I didn't feel like I had anything of any value to bring to the surface. And I grew up, my grandmother's favorite saying is, it's vulgar to speak about money whether you have it or you don't. And I get that, right? Because it's not our job to belittle anyone or make anybody feel bad about money. However, what I understood is that money holds such a dirty and shameful frequency for a lot of people. Because if they don't have it, they feel bad. And if they do have it, they're categorized as this bad person. And when people see you receiving, they do categorize you. It's like, oh, look at her. You know, she's got money and therefore she's this or therefore she's that. And I can't even explain to you how many times I've been categorized by women because I speak about money 
and I'm opening my communication. But to me, the more I uncoded this, the more that I realized is money is a frequency, it's an energy, and it's how you're willing to see yourself. And your capacity is your reality. So if you were to look at your current reality, meaning you know your financials, the, the cycles that you're in financially, not just your financials, but your relationship with yourself, your relationship with other people, you know, the way that you exist continuously every single day, that is your capacity. And if you're finding yourself coming up against these stories of this doesn't feel like enough for me, this isn't enough for me. It's not that the money isn't there or the money isn't available or people aren't spending money. People are spending more money than they've ever spent before. But what's happening is you're struggling to see where that money gets to be available to you. And money's an energy. And until you see yourself in the lens of somebody who can receive, you're constantly going to come up against these blockages. It's a challenge, right? And as you know, you know me from Mib. <clears throat> and a lot of all, uh, the women in our network, they do. They they come from low-income households. They have you know, had one challenge after another financially. And I think what I see for some of that community is they don't see how they can get out of that cycle now i believe that the uk especially is set up to keep people in poverty i do absolutely and so they're caught in this cycle of you know living hand to mouth everything is hard and it is hard and don't get me wrong it's hard and i'm not taking away from that because it is that is genuinely hard and not knowing where your next meal coming is coming from and you know struggling to feed your kids and all of that stuff that's that's awful but I do believe that sometimes a lot of the time we also get in our own way we make a decision that there is no money nobody's shopping nobody's buying nobody's spending nobody's doing anything well I I don't live very far away from Portobello's if I go and stand in Portobello's right now there are still people walking into Louis Vuitton, Prada, Valentino. They're driving their Lamborghinis. They're eating and drinking well. And there is still money moving. And so I am not taking away from the fact that for some people, life is really hard and things happen to people. But I, I also believe that we have a responsibility to ourselves to figure out a way in which that we make it work for ourselves. We have a choice how we react and respond to things. And, you know, that's not always easy. I've reacted in ways that I shouldn't have reacted and that's had a negative impact on me, you know, in more ways than just financially. But I do believe that the stigma around finances when it comes to women is is overwhelming, actually. And so that, you know, you're judged if you don't have money, you're judged if you do have money. You're judged if you hustle, you're judged if you don't hustle. You know, mm -hmm. one of the things that people say to me, will you just slow down, Leona? Why are you always working? Why do you do that? You know, uh, do you not have enough? How much more do you want? How much you did da, da? A, it's not your fucking business. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. my business. <laughs> and if I want to fucking hustle, I will hustle. But also, you know, we all have that choice. We all have that choice. And I think that that's a very difficult conversation to have because people are very triggered about the subject. And it is, and it's emotive, especially when you have a lack of it, because it feels like, well, how, you sit on your high horse and you tell me that I should be doing X, Y, Z, A, B, C, and, and, but you don't understand because you don't have a, you've never had these situations. Well, actually you don't know, you don't know. And it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's so easy for us to judge. Um, and that's why this podcast and the conversations that I have are so important for me because 
I believe that we can learn from everybody. And whether you agree or you don't agree, I think there's lessons in everything. So I'm very fascinated by your story. So let's go back to your teenage years, if you're comfortable to share a little bit. So 16, felt like an adult, which is hilarious, right? When you're an adult, you're like, fuck, 16 is nothing. You know nothing about anything. (laughs) Like nothing. But you're 16,16, you think you're an adult, you need to go out there and make your money. You go to the French Alps, you're doing all this stuff. You come back, you know, it it goes goes K-Swift. And it's challenging what what point did you get to in your life where you were like right this shit has to change I can't continue to build a life that I am right now because it's not good for me yeah and um so what happened to me is I got in a very serious relationship very young and looking back you know there was all the red flags straight away but because I'd grown up without that perfect family dynamic from a young age I wanted to create that and that showcasing codependency and seeing my sense of worth through other people and like I said because I'd been the morpher at times I'd like dip out of friendship circles and if you've been through trauma you'll understand that feeling safe in sisterhood or connected with people is really a big big trigger I had to really build my safety around that So I got into this relationship and it crumbled and it was toxic and it was messy and it was way beyond my years to the point where I literally couldn't see myself. That fueled into being in the wrong friendship circles, you know, really living for the weekends so that I could sniff cocaine, take drugs, be in this party season. By the time I was 18, I was in a relationship with a 36 year old man. Because my sense of self-worth was, okay, I need somebody to parent me because there's something that I'm missing inside of myself. And I spent all of these years literally in this chaos and drama. And it was like drama after drama, money drama, relationship drama, negativity, toxicity. And it just continued. And at the age of 19, I ended up running away, which was my like signature thing. Whenever things got too bad, I would run away. I would just go to a new place and and figure it out. And I ended up meeting a a woman online and she lived in Wales and I went and lived with her family. She literally popped me up for around eight months and I was living on a camp bed and I had no money and I was broken. And when I say broken, I mean inside out kind of broken. I was just below 20 and I had maxed out my credit and it was only, let's say, 10,000 in debt. However, but because I hadn't been paying it back, because, you know, I was living very cash in hand for my work at times it was like okay there was no money physically there to pay anything and my money was being spent on drinking and and fueling this negative lifestyle so I really was stuck in this rut and I remember my mom would text me and she'd be like are you okay like is everything fine mom's intuition she absolutely knew that something was not okay but I kept hiding myself and hiding myself I'm fine I'm just working here like I'm fine and then one day I remember thinking do you know what like I am such a young age and I don't know my life without stress because even in my teenage years, I fueled my body with, with food. That was my stress comfort. And it's like my full teenage years, I was trying to figure out like, who, who am I? You know, do I belong in this category? Do I belong here? Do I belong there? Do I belong there? And I really had no idea. And I remember sitting one night and be like, screw this. Like, I don't want to be this person anymore. I am way too young to live my life this way and get caught in this cycle. And therefore, I'd always been very spiritual, very psychic, and I started to deliver my readings. And in the beginning, I had no idea where that would lead. It was just a case of I'm following my gut and all I want to do is sit with people, channel their loved ones, channel spirit, communicate my message. And that's that. But because I still had my 
lack of sense of self, I was charging like 10 pounds for a reading and it was like, it's fine. I'm doing this because it feels good and it feels fulfilling and I'm still building my life back up. And I've gone back to work in an office at the time. And as this progressing, I was realizing actually like, I'm not just the psychic, like the psychic makes sense to me and I love channeling spirit. And it's a huge part of my journey. You know, some people do just come to me for mediumship readings. However, like spirit combined with business just makes sense to me. Because if you look at any business, they're using their intuition, they're using spirit, they're using a connection. And even people that are very logical. So I grow up with a very, very logical based family. And it's like they think they're making logical decisions when actually they're being guided into something, guided to do something in a new way, to show up in a new way. And therefore, like merging the two of them just made sense together. And I would say my first two years of business, because I wasn't fully confident in myself, I was still over delivering. I was giving people everything. I was continuously available to my work and showing up. And it was just constant until I was able to sit there and say, where am I struggling to see myself through the identity that this gets to be possible for me too? And mm -hmm. that's when things really shifted because it was like, no, this is my boundary. This is my standard. If they can charge that, why can't I? If I can position myself in this way, why can't I? And it was that journey of, I'm gonna start seeing myself through the talents of my gifts. Now, something to add, and I know I'm going off on a tangent, but that's literally me. Um, but something <laughs> to add here is in regards to price point. I feel price point confirms what you believe about yourself. Because a lot of the time in the beginning of my business, I didn't believe people were gonna pay me certain amounts of money and therefore I discount myself and over discount myself to the point of it causing more stress in my surrounding. And it's because I didn't see that people were willing to pay me. And therefore, mm -hmm. every time I got paid, it was like this confirmation of, you know, you're not good enough. You, you can't charge that yet. You know, you're not there yet. It was this constant cycle. Whereas I had to jump before it made sense energetically for my old identity because I had to become who I wanted to be in this moment. And the truth is when you're becoming, people are gonna get triggered. People are gonna throw everything at you. People are gonna judge you. I've been through this from family perspective, from friend perspective, but what you have to understand is that you're leaving the collective. So when you're in, and especially those of you who have been through trauma, family dynamics, we bond, right? We bond through our lack. We bond through what we've been through together. And therefore it becomes this cycle of, if we all stay in this space, we're safe. But if we leave this space, we're the cast aside, we're the black sheep, you know, we're no longer fitted into the mold. And that requires them to reflect on themselves. So they don't mean to throw it at you. They don't mean to judge you. It's that you've left it and now they're forced to deal with what that means about them and to look at their self deeply in the mirror. So I had to get comfortable with leaving before it made sense and really defining like, who am I in this season versus who have I been? Because if you ask Rosie at the age of 18, when all I defined myself as was the chaotic girl, the dramatic girl, the woman that's lost, she has no clarity, she's not good enough, she's this, she's that, like she would have had no sense of you can charge that. But I had to become something that, yes, triggered my old identity. And my old identity is still present. It doesn't matter how much money you work, it's about deciding that we're not going to give it our power. So how old are you now? I am 26, which is, again, a big trigger for a lot of people, I think. <laughs> I, I, I'm not triggered by that. I think, you know, maturity is maturity is whatever maturity is. And you're a mum, right? You're yeah. a mum? Yeah. Mom so, so how has your previous identity and all of the things that you've experienced up until this point really 
really impacted the way that you parent? Oh, I love this question. So parenting to me is like an absolute, absolute pleasure. I love my humans. And one of the things when I fell pregnant with Luna is I don't want to just be the mama who's working. I want to be that sustainable mom who's there because we had to have after school care. We have to have child minders. You know, we didn't always have a parent that was standing up in class assembly and watching us and cheering us on. And I didn't want that for my children. But also I wanted this sense of safety where, you know, she could express herself and she could be herself and she could, you know, build into whoever she wanted to be as a woman. And then when I had Freddie, it was like, okay, I want him to have that that guidance that he can, you know, be this alpha male that he desires to be in whatever avenue that that means for his life and really feel present and intentional and like he's choosing decisions based on wholeness and safety. So my journey of motherhood has really affected my business. One, because I started to ask myself the question of, is it worth taking the time away from my family? And if something is not worth taking the time away, which this is a great barrier to understand, like financially, are you being compensated? Then it's not worth it, right? I want to be at the the morning drop off. I want to be at the afternoon drop off. And therefore, if I'm going to undercharge myself, I can't intentionally be the best parent in which I desire to be. But also because I went through a very dramatic and high conflict um, dynamic between my parents and their separation, I really wanted this safety. I wanted them to feel grounded. So our family life, if I was to describe it, it's like, be yourself. Our kids are absolutely crazy. And it's like, bring out that expression. I want more of that. I want more of that energy. And everything that I teach with my clients, I teach with the children. On New Year's Day, we were smashing through taekwondo boards and like, yes, what do we want from life? Because I think power is such a thing that people are intimidated by, right? So when I look at my journey of becoming, it really was this journey of, ooh, like this is a lot. I got louder, I got bolder, my approach of self got bigger. And I want my children to know that it doesn't matter what room you're in, you should feel safe in being yourself. You should feel Mm -hmm. safe. And this goes back to the misfits. You should feel safe being all of that. So we try to really bring out that that nurturing energy of what are we going to do to highlight their strengths and who they are? Because when I look at the school system, you know, that that's a generalized state of what we're going to learn, but doesn't necessarily bring out our child's skill set and our expression and who we are. And especially for me, I experienced that. So I wanted to ripple effect that into my children and build sense of safety through their relationship with themselves. I I couldn't agree more. I mean, part of the reason why I homeschool and digital nomad life for me is imperative is for that exact reason. You know, my kids a wild but they're all levels of themselves and you know having six children honestly they couldn't be more different from each other but they are 100 percent truly themselves and don't get me wrong that's not always easy to navigate but you get to a point and you'll experience this as your kids get older you know you're like I did a really good job and you know I did a really good job in encouraging them to be 100 percent of who they are and the best version of themselves that they want to be and it's it you know it's it's not an easy route to take it's not an easy route to take but it's so rewarding and I think if we did more of that for ourselves we would be so much happier because you know what we do there's so much needing to or desire to conform and be and have and whatever it is you want to do be do and have I don't care you do whatever it is that makes you happy as long as you know not shafting somebody else doing it um 
But I think, you know, especially in the realms of social media land, it can be very overwhelming for people to feel like they have to become something that that they don't necessarily agree with or align with. And that's why I wanted you here, because I feel like even though you do trigger people and you know that and you're okay with that, you live fully and presently with who you are at the core and that is so important but I also feel like people need to understand your message more because I I don't feel and and this is my just my observation and you know girl is I'm really freaking busy over here so I don't observe everything but I feel like people don't always understand or see the core of you and you know and they see wealth or they see success or they see whatever is shiny shiny that they see but they don't see the growth and they don't see the experience and they you know and that happens a lot you know the amount of people I've spoken to that are amazing humans but they they're given a hard time because they they're confident in themselves they're confident in their own ability and people are so triggered by that you know I've been in rooms where I know that every single woman in the room hates me and they hate me because I'm confident in my own self right Mm -hmm. and that isn't defined by a clothes size or isn't defined by my bank balance it's defined by my core and my energy and you're right energy is absolutely 100% everything I couldn't agree with you more. So when you're working, you only work with women? I do work with men, but I have to say it's in a very, very different way. So I believe the way that the woman works with her body and how a man works with their body are two separate identities. So the men that I work with are men that have been referred. They're not going to have direct communication on my social. The reason behind that, I think women need a space for them because there's so many demands of a woman and a woman goes through a different psychological journey in life Mm -hmm. I do feel like a woman needs a space just for them and that's why my whole communication is steered towards the woman and what you just said about confidence like this is the thing women say they're for women but then they tear down a confident woman and it's (laughs) like they they, they share these quotes of Barbie of like you know you can be anything you want to be but then a, a, a woman that's successful they still hate upon and it's because it, it stretches them, right? They're not hating on the woman and I don't see it as intentional hate. I see it as like a mirror reflection of what they wish they could obtain within themselves. Maybe not in the same way because we're all unique, but they want to stretch themselves and they're frustrated because they feel like they can't pull themselves in. Mm-hmm. And just touching on this, because you said like this misunderstood and I really want people to understand this, is my job is not to make you wealthy to the point where you feel like you have to look a certain way, be a certain way, exist a certain way. I am not the champagne lifestyle mentor. If you want that, go and get activated by somebody else because the majority of my time and money (laughs) is spent in the petting farm, you know, on my children and trying to hustle them out before they want to buy a million teddies. (laughs) But I feel like, you know, this normalizing of wealth is normalizing our life as it is. I like Mm -hmm. nice things, don't get me wrong, but there has to be this normalizing of, it has to feel safe to me. I used to pedestal money and wealth and materialism. And as a result, it constantly felt this thing that I needed to obtain, like it's above me and I need to obtain it. And the minute I just decided that money is money and nothing's above me and that actually it just is, like the more I normalized it, I had to feel powerful in my everyday. And this mm-hmm. is the thing, I don't feel think people feel wealthy in their everyday because they think if they're wealthy, they have to 
be a certain way, exist a certain way, express themselves a certain way, you know, hold their identity a certain way. That's not wealth. Wealth is really asserting yourself and choosing yourself and communicating yourself to the highest degree. Now, I'm going to say something that might, you know, ruffle a few feathers. But what I believe is the middle class, right, is the worst culprit for shame. Because when you come from nothing, you have this like open ended energy is what I feel. And when you're in the upper class, it's like, I'm in my own lane. So I don't give a shit what anybody else is doing. But the middle class, they get stuck in this cycle a lot of the time of the nine to five life, the stuck in routine. And it becomes this constraint of how do we how do we move through this? Like, how do we stretch ourselves higher than beyond this? And I see this a lot where it's like we can't see beyond. Right. Because when you're in the the just enoughness and I mean, like you're you're literally surviving. Right. Bare minimum surviving. I feel like you have a different expansion than maybe if you have a just a just enoughness at a higher degree and therefore uh-huh. you it's kind of like the fight I see my fight in the beginning it did it was the activator whereas mm. when you have this sense of comfort whether that be fin- financially or just like a a less intense financial situation it's easier to not be able to see beyond that it's e- easier to not dream as much because I think the the middle class are the ones that ha- almost have the dreaming like sucked out of them if that makes sense does that make sense <laughs> it makes 100 percent a sense i uh, if i look at the people that i know in my circle you've either got the the people that are on their ass and they're hungry and they will tackle you and smash through any roadblocks that possibly come to feed their family and then I've got my wildly financially successful friends who are living their freaking best life and I don't just mean financially but they're living life abundantly their fucking level their level of crazy is wild and I don't mean that they're you know shopping in Louis every day I mean they're thinking big they're dreaming big they 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 give zero shit they're so focused I think personality I think the middle class lose their personality and I was speaking about this yesterday of how like the corporate space right it sucks out your personality but i believe personality is the biggest money maker when i look at my business my personality has been what's created my money right people love the the personality that i harness and if you're in my space you might recognize a few of my personality traits and you'll be like i know that was your pose because of this or because of that and i feel we have to know who is our personality and a lot of the time we get that washed out of us in, you know, these positions in life because it's not safe to be your personality. But if you could actually think about what are your personality traits and how do you be that, maybe that's the acceleration that your business actually needs. I couldn't agree more. I, I think people make more money when they're 100% themselves. I think we are we live in a society where it's like, well, if you just, if you just dampen down this bit or if you just articulate more effectively or if you just take out all your grammar errors no no <laughs> most people don't care like just and that's what i that's why rebel for me is so important because it is about those people that are rebelling against all the rules and the boxes that people try and put you into just because you might have money in the bank doesn't mean you have to look a certain way i have friends that are hundreds and hundreds of millions you wouldn't know they're a millionaire if they walk down the road they they look like the average person that's because they choose to live that way that's their choice and so there is this assumption that when you don't have money you have to do this or when you have money you have to do this or if you you're a business owner you have to build a business this way no you don't have to do anything you should be encouraged to do it in the way which makes sense to you 
as long as you're playing all out for yourself, that's that's the thing that's most important here. So I couldn't agree more, absolutely. And I do think that we lose our identity. I think, you know, I see it actually in a lot of six-figure business owners. They get to, we get to a point where 10K a month, yeah, we're sitting comfortably, can pay the bills. You know, we don't particularly love that, but we have to pay it anyway. You know, we're, we're doing all right. We're comfortable. And it's like, oh, what next? And and I did it myself. When we got to six figures, I was like, oh, well, I was expecting some sort of like, you know, party or, <laughs> you know, somebody yes. to shoot fireworks in the sky. What now? Like, Balloons. <laughs> Exactly. Somebody do something. And I was like, this is really boring. Like, I, I actually got to a point where I was like, where's the hustle? The hustle's gone. What am I hustling for? And so it is that. It's like, actually, if I look at the my personal journey, once I got too comfortable, my business started to go sideways. Yeah. Like it just maintained and it was just comfortable you know and I, I didn't really have to work as many hours and it was kind of boring and I start to look at doing other things actually because I was like is this what my life is and I had to re it was almost like I had to fall in love with that and to be honest it was COVID that woke me up because it was like right shit now I'm not so comfortable and now I have to do the work again and it was that that kind of was like woke me up to okay yeah. I need to I need to find the passion again and I feel like just touching on that, you know, I literally see every payment as winning the lottery. It doesn't matter if it's $100 or my highest payment so far has been 90000 However, it's like wow. that. It's like that journey of like, oh, someone just paid me $100. And I remember in the beginning of my business, like the first $45 payment that I got and I went to my partner and was like, oh my God, we've made it. Someone just paid me $45. And I was so excited because that just wasn't the conversation and the narrative. Before that, I'd been a massage therapist. I'd opened a massage salon in Headingley and Leeds at a very young age. And although I was charging, you know, 45 pounds for a massage, it was a lot of manual labor. So then you come online and you almost feel like, am I working hard enough to obtain this? And the first yeah. time you receive it, it's like, oh my God, I just, I just received money, sat in my pajama pants, you know, living my best life. And it's that journey of needing to get excited. People stop getting excited. And when you stop getting excited, you dry up money. You have to see every sale as a fuck yes, regardless of what they're paying you. So 90 grand, to have a 90,000 pound sale, which is no joke. I mean, that is, that's some serious level of shit right there. What is one selling for 90,000? Because I need it in my life. I mean, I'm ready. <laughs> Universe, whoever is out there, Bring me a £90,000 sale, I would be rather happy. So this is a year-long container. And it's when I say it's everything in business, I mean like it's everything in business. We're not just going to get on the calls and activate your energy. I believe in tangible exercises because even as a medium, everything's a muscle memory, right? And with that muscle memory, we have to build the muscle memory. And we can only build the muscle memory by doing the tangible things. And the tangible things are what get the breakthrough. And if you're just going to sit there and, you know, stand in your heart, a lot of the time it's much harder to trigger your body into the frequency because it's like, I want to believe this, but can I? I want to believe that this frequency is enough, but can I believe it? And actually there's a stretch in how are we going to harness that identity? So this is a year long container. My six week container is 10K. So if people decide to upgrade from there, it either goes to six months or 12 months and the 12 months stretches to a 90,000 price point. And I currently have four women in that space. However, last year, and I want to touch on this because this to me was like, again, a pinnacle of how do I see myself? 
Last year, I started to work with corporations. So I would go into corporations. I would support them with their sales psychology, how they can increase the sales psychology, the energy of their, their, their team. So if they've got call handlers, how can their team's energy maximize? How are we going to bring them into their capacity? Because a lot of the time, when it's not your business, you don't have the same like commitment to the identity. So when sales flop in a corporation space, a lot of the time it's that the employees have lost their excitement. So we started to pitch into this. And in the beginning, I was like, there's no way that they're going to choose this weirdo, psychic, energy, strategy loving person. <laughs> this 26 <laughs> year old blonde, rocked up, charged me 90 grand. Who does she think she is? literally and in the beginning there was a lot of rejection and then I had to learn the way of like what do corporations really want okay they want a pitch deck well what does that pitch deck really look like how are we going to provide that how are we going to show up for that and then it kind of just started to steer in a different direction and now I work with some beautiful corporations slash charities and I say corporations slash charities because a lot of charities are corporations and what I mean by this is they have disposable income that they want to invest in outside sources so if you're specifically a woman that's a heart-centered entrepreneur, which is where I categorize myself, is, you know, we want to be available. I don't just want to be available to the women with money. I also want to serve the women that have had nothing, that have been through toxic situations, that have been in trauma, that are struggling to see their sense of self-worth. But you can do that without dismissing your value. And this is where collaborating with charities and corporations come in, because what you can do is you can deliver your heart passion in a space where people are willing to spend money. And those collaborations might start smaller. So my first one began at 10,000, but then the more that you show what you're available to and how you can support them, the more it increases. And now we're working with, you know, creating events for charities and how can we bring women who have been through toxic relationships together and actually have facilitation sessions, you know, take them through the anger release, the confidence building. And that is a stretch for a lot of people when they're used to an online business. However, it's worth looking at, do we get lost in this journey of masterclasses and workshops and courses? Like there's something bigger out there and all those things work and they're still a part of my business. But what I mean is sometimes you have to get creative of, do you want something else than just the way in which you're working currently? Oh, I absolutely love that. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, online has made my organizations a lot of money, but I I think there is so much more and I think people get so caught up in the <gasps> I have to fill my masterclass. Oh my God, I need to build another fucking funnel. Like, oh, it's exhausting. <laughs> like, I'm so over it. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even have a funnel. Like, I made a million quid without a funnel. I don't even like, know what a funnel is anymore. I'm yeah, just like, whatever. Like, <laughs> whatever. Nobody needs another freaking landing page. It's just stop. So yeah, I, I mean, I think it's super important. I think, I, I, you know, it's it's very fascinating what you've done and hugely commendable. You are young. I mean, the reality is, is you're not, you're not well into your fifties. You're 26 years old. You've got two young children. It's, it's commendable, massively, massively commendable. Whether you're triggering to people or not, I think what you've done is amazing. You should be very proud of yourself, how you've turned things around for yourself, you did the work, right? You did the work, you put in the time and you're reaping the rewards and very, very well deserved. I, I wish you all the success in the future. I'm absolutely sure that you will have amazing, amazing things um, coming to you and you've done a great job. So thank you so much for being here. Any last pieces of, uh, I can't even get my teeth in today. <laughs> it's being a mum of six. I blame that on every, I just blame, I blame, that for everything. I love that. I want all the babies. <laughs>
<laughs> I'm just like, I'm a mom of six, okay? It's, this is the problem. Um, any last pieces of advice for anybody listening that is potentially struggling with charging their worth and seeing their own value? I think it begins with, and where I want to take you right now is seeing your power. So when it comes down to seeing your power, it's like a hairdresser. If she's got things going on in life, she doesn't just ring and be like, hey, I'm not coming in today. I'm not going to serve my clients because I got things going on in life. She shows up, right? And it's knowing that you can be in two things in, in, in one. We're, we're all always healing. We're, we're going through life changes. We're going through you know healing journeys that maybe we didn't expect to be going through. But it's understanding that they do not define us in the arena of business. And that's not inauthentic because I literally despise the word inauthentic. I feel like it's guilt tripped people into feeling like if everything's not right in their life, they can't show up. And what I really want women to do is normalize that you can be going through the process of healing while still making money. You can be going through you know, distractions in your relationship while still making money. It's about understanding that you are a genius of your craft and you are able to communicate your power regardless of what it is that you're circling. And when we understand that power and healing work together alongside one another, look at where we're gonna take and deliver ourselves to because it becomes this journey of, I can just be it. It's not inauthentic for me to bring my power. You know, it's inauthentic for me to decide that I have to define myself by what it is that I'm going through. And the other thing is business is fucking hard, right? Money's hard, life is hard. All these things are challenging. And I think you just have to get comfortable with knowing that, we're all on the same journey. Entrepreneurship, you have a million meltdowns in a year and that's normal. And there's times where you're like, am I really committed to doing this? Do I really want this anymore? Because it's a lot. But what you have to remember again is that you're allowed to have that tantrum. It's not allowing that tantrum to define you and respond to it. So if you respond to every single tantrum that you have, you're going to stop showing up for yourself. You're going to stop charging. You're going to stop committing. You have to be fully anchored in, let me release the emotion and then get back to the confidence and the communication. But I just want to say a massive thank you for having me here and just allow me to riff on all of the things. Oh, I love a good riff. I do. <laughs> I think they're the best type of conversations because it's explorative and you can really dig into the things. People always say to me, what are you going to ask me? I'm like, I don't know. Whatever comes out my mouth. Like, I just, I want to have a conversation. I don't want it to be super structured because I think, you know, you really get to know a person when it's just conversational. Um, and I think there's so much education in that. So thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you. And I, I can't wait to see what's next for you. I really can't. I'm excited. I'm going to stalk you. Thank you so much. I'm hoping that <laughs> I will meet you in March at uh, the event and we can feel each other. That sounds strange. Feel each other. <laughs> feel each oh, other. I'm, I'm all up for feeling your energy. I'm, I'm def Sign me up. Where do I sign? Thank you so much. You're a, you're a legend. Thank you, darling. Thank you for having me. And that concludes today's episode with me, Leona Burton. You have been listening to the Rebel Influencer Podcast. Wow. What an episode. Before you go, I'd just like to say a massive thank you to Peaks Private Members Club for their sponsorship. Just remember, Peaks isn't just about events. It is about creating an environment where entrepreneurs who are serious about scaling their business coming together with a focus on mastermind sessions, unique mentoring, and deep, meaningful connections and conversations. Peaks is about redefining the entrepreneurial journey. Discover more at peaksprivatemembersclub.com and make sure you go and follow Nicola Peak on Facebook or any of her other socials. 
For our listeners, Peaks is offering a special opportunity. Reach out to Nicola and mention my Rebel podcast and you'll be in to receive an exclusive discount.